and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. This morning, some current examples of false teachers are presented in Jude verse 19. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliott. The fifth prediction about false teachers is that they will live merely according to their own natural instincts. Verse 19b, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. Friends, when you are devoid of the Holy Spirit, you are in your flesh, and you are instinctual. You are driven by your body's desires, by your personality's wishes. There is nothing truly spiritual about anyone who is devoid of the Holy Spirit. God calls people who are devoid of the Holy Spirit lost, blind, perishing. And false teachers are all of those things. Because they're devoid of the Holy Spirit, they only can operate according to their own natural instincts. True prayer is absent in their lives. Accepting and seeking real divine guidance are, is irrelevant to them. Weeping over the things that God weeps over is alien to them. Rejoicing over the things over which God rejoices is otherworldly to them because they are devoid of the Holy Spirit. They only can operate in their own natural instincts. But there's a sixth prediction about false teachers. False teachers will lack the Holy Spirit in their lives. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Holy Spirit. They are unregenerate. They know the language of the church. They do not know the Lord of the church. They are not saved. They have snuck in. They know when to stand up and when to sit down, when to pray and when to testify, but they are not legitimately born again. When I hear this list about false teachers, that they are inevitable, that they will scoff, that they will follow their own desires, that they will attempt to divide, to conquer, that they will live according to their natural instincts, that they will lack the Holy Spirit, I think of Adolf Hitler. Hitler harbored a lot of lies in his mind. Lies like the Aryan race was the master race. Lies like anti-Semitism was defensible within Christianity. Lies like the historical Jesus was not at all a Jew, but the son of Pantherus, a Greek soldier in the Roman army. Lies like the church was to be tolerated to get his way. Lies like the church was to be marginalized with respect to its influence, but respected purely for appearances' sake. Lies like adversaries are properly intimidated by whatever lies and terrors that will stop resistance. Lies like oration was more important for what it could do to people than for what it actually said to people. And that's how the Holocaust happened. A rat came in, and far too few people smelled it. A false teacher got center stage, and far too many people did nothing to oppose him for far too long. But thanks be to God, 
that the Allied forces did resist and at great cost defeated Hitler, defeated the Nazis and the Third Reich. But you and I need to know that little Hitlers are alive today. Take Louis Farrakhan, the leader of the Nation of Islam. He, along with his followers, believe these things. Ready? Number one, the W.D. Fard, the founder of the sect, was God incarnate. Number two, they believe that Elijah Muhammad, their leader until 1975, was a prophet and a messenger of God. Number three, they believe that white people were created 6,650 years ago by a black scientist that was in rebellion against Allah. They believe, number four, in black supremacy and white degradation. That's one example. <laughs> There's all kinds of false teachers who are twisting, distorting, lying. It's going to happen that false teachers will profligate and penetrate until Jesus comes back for us. But until that time that Jesus comes back for us, God says to us, steady. Church, steady. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words which were spoken before him by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ that they were saying to you in the last time, there'll be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. Steady. We go on. Not only are we to smell a rat and to refuse to learn error and lies, we are also to be about God's business, refusing to cave in to false teachers. We are to be about God's business, refusing to cave into false teachers. Verses 20 to 23. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Steady. Be about God's business. Refuse to cave into false teachers. And exactly what does that look like? What does the steadiness and the not caving into false teachers look like, according to this passage? Let's split it out and let's see for ourselves. What does steadiness in God's work involve? Number one of seven, it involves spiritual growth. If you're not going to cave into a false teacher and you're going to be about God's business, you had better be growing spiritually. Verse 20a, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. What are some ways to build ourselves up in our most holy faith? Well, one that comes to my mind is making the most out of adversity. Having our adversities drive us into the scriptures. Having our adversities drive us into Christians who are more mature than us. Having our adversities drive us into prayer. Spiritual growth. I think entering into intentional disciple-making, as Evan alluded to, sleeping over in other people's homes in Kyrgyzstan, sharing life with people. Entering into an intentional discipleship pairing, not so much so that you will give someone else something they need, but you will get something as well from them of what you need. Reciprocation. Spiritual growth. Evangelizing the lost. 
There is nothing that has caused me to grow spiritually faster than sharing Christ because as I share Christ with people and I don't know the answers to their honest questions, it makes me get into the book. It makes me get on my knees to pray. If you want to grow spiritually, just three suggestions. Make your adversities count. Enter into intentional disciple-making relationships and get about evangelizing the lost. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas Rogers here. I am the student pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And today we're going to continue talking about culture and how culture dictates to us, even in the church, of how we need to defend our faith. Tommy Nelson said the church has been silent and that the culture educate us about sex. Today we're going to talk about sex. And I'm not talking about a salt and pepper song of the early 90s, but we are going to talk about sex based on what the Bible says about sex. Sex is a good thing. God created sex, and God created sex for a man and a woman. As he said in Genesis 1, 27, 26, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. As we see, God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Like I said, sex is a great thing. But sex was designed for a husband and a wife, a male and a female. Today, culture has changed what sex is. As we know what Nike says, people take that to even in the sex culture say, just do it. It doesn't matter who I do it with, how many partners I have, you know, if it feels good to do it. Like I said, God intended sex between a husband and a wife. In Hebrews 15, verse 19, Jesus says, Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication. Here it stands side by side with adultery. As we think of today's culture, we have so much adultery that, that goes on where Husbands are cheating on their wives, and, and wives are cheating on their husbands, and it goes on and on. And, 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 and we're teaching our young people that, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do because, you know, sex, was, sex is a good thing. But we see that God says that anything outside marriage is adultery, fornication. As we think of sex and we think of talking to the young, young people, we can think of even how we're talking about fornication and, and thoughts evil thoughts, we think of pornography. These type of things that come to young people's minds as they look at different pictures on the internet. And, and let's be real. In our culture today, to think about 10 years ago, with the internet, they're so easy. And so many ways that you, you so many pictures that you can find on the internet. And this is what Matthew 15, 19 is saying. Do not let evil thoughts, do not let anything come into that to cause any problems as you think of when you going to get married. You see, the bottom line is this, is that when you think of as a young person, if you indulge in sex, there are consequences. And I know that we could talk about diseases, we could talk about pregnancy, but the reality is, is that it goes even further than that. Because a lot of people say, you know what, it doesn't matter if you have sex once you don't get pregnant. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about as you think of you're going to spend the rest of your life with a husband or a wife. You want to make sure that you're pure before them because that's what God intended. God intended sex as a gift for a husband and a wife. And he wants us to be pure. 
before we ever even indulge in sex with, with any other person. He wants it between a husband and a wife. Colossians 3, 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity. You see there, this is what Paul is saying. The first thing when you think of anything to put to death, put sexual immorality. Like I said, I want to go back to that quote that I said at the beginning. The church has been silent and let the culture educate us about sex. When you turn on your television, you turn on, watch movies or TV shows, they're throwing sex at you every day. And you know, we all know sex sells. But if you're listening this morning to this and you're, and you're young person, I want you to know something that, yes, the church probably has failed in some ways to really telling people about how, what is sex and how we need to be pure. Because I think that as we think of the world, the world, it's e they easily talk about sex. And they, and, but when we in the church come to talk about sex, it's kind of like, oh, don't go there. But the reality is, is that we need to make sure that we understand that sex is not a bad thing, but that we remain pure. So the question may be this morning, well, you know, if I'm attracted to a guy or a girl, how do I stop myself to fall into the trap of temptation to, you know, to have sex? Well, number one, you don't, you don't put yourself in any position to even think about it. You don't want to be alone with a guy or a girl in a car or a building or especially not in a bedroom. Because let's be real, as, as a male or female, as the hormones is going, it'll be easy to indulge in sex. We need to be very careful that we keep ourselves away. We need to flee from sexual immorality. Second of all, sometimes we need to just run. And I think the greatest you know, story that we can think of in the Bible is Joseph. As we think of Potiphar's wife threw herself at Joseph, and we see even as he ran, his clothes was ripped off him. And as the Bible tells us, Potiphar's wife wasn't a person who we would say was unattractive. The Bible is very clear to say she was an attractive woman. And what had happened? He ran. And I know in our culture, what you know, what, what, what would happen with a guy, well, what's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you? You like man? No, the reality is we need to understand that we're not here to please man. We're here to please God. And that's what Joseph understood. Joseph said, you know what? I want to please God. And I know that I am supposed to be above reproach. I'm not supposed to. As Pharaoh told him, you could do whatever you want except nothing to do with my wife. Again, as I, I'm talking to you, whether you're young, whether you're old, I think we need to understand that in our culture, you know, we can talk about homosexuality, we can do that, and that's easy to talk about. But the thing that we don't like to talk about here in our culture is sweethearting, fornication, adultery. These are the things that we don't like to talk about because we almost, it's become acceptable. And the Bible is very clear, as, as I said earlier, that we must put to death what is earthly, sexual immorality, purity passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is adultery. So I challenge you this morning. If you're listening to this broadcast, and you know what? You say, you know what? I've already messed up. I've already had sex before marriage. Let me just say this. We have a God who is a forgiving God. We have a God who says, you know what? I can wash you clean. Now, Am I saying that, well, that gives me a license to do what I want? No, I'm not saying that. But we need to recognize that God can forgive us of any sin that we have ever committed. 
Are we going to continue in sin? No. We must be changed. We must be different. So as I close this morning, I want you to recognize that no matter if you've already messed up, God still loves you. He wants that relationship with you. And he wants you to come to him and repent of your sin. So as I close, I just want to say a prayer. Father, again, we thank you for your love. Thank you that you are a forgiving God. And Father, whoever has listened to this broadcast and they may say, you know what, I've messed up. Father, I pray that you would help them to just come to you, um, help them to repent of their sin. And Father, I pray that as people are listening to this broadcast, that Father, those who may be in adultery now, that they would see that it is sin. And Father, I just pray that you would just continue to be with us as a nation, the Bahamas, that we would teach what is right and what the Word says. And we just thank and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be listening, and you know what you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may have another question. Feel free to call Pastor Nicholas here at Calvary Bible Church at 326-0800. Well, good morning, listeners. This morning, I'm really happy to have my friend uh, Patrick Rutherford from Precept Ministries in the radio studio. Good morning, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Um, you serve as the Caribbean Director of Precept Ministries, a ministry dedicated to helping believers to know how to study and live God's Word. I want to talk with you this morning about mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you would be able to give us a simple definition. What is mentoring? Mm -hmm. a, a mentor to me, Pastor, is someone who teaches, who encourages, uh, someone who is perhaps not as experienced as you are, uh, someone who's transparent and willing to share their life experiences with someone who hasn't been there yet. Great. So it's doing life with someone else you trust and respect and gaining the benefits of that as a two-way street. Is that Absolute, fair to say? Absolutely. I think you're 100% correct. Yes. Okay, good. Um, now, still with mentoring this concept, why do you feel it's really helpful? Well, I'll take my young life, Pastor. And there are a lot of things down the road that I know absolutely nothing about. But... To know that there are people, resources in my life whom I can ask and get reliable uh, information from, reliable experiences from, uh, to be able to uh, get advice from someone who's already been through a situation or an experience. I think that's invaluable to anyone who's looking to be mentored. I would agree. Yeah. Would, you th would you think that it's fair in a general sense to say that men are a little less prone to ask for a male mentor than women are to ask for a female mentor? If, if so, why? I don't know. Us us men have this, I don't know, I, I, I've heard it described as this lone ranger mentality. Mm -hmm. um, we love to be alone. We love to uh, try to figure things out on our own. Uh, us men have a hard time asking for help. Yes. Unlike the ladies mm -hmm. who do exactly the opposite mm -hmm. of what we're talking about. Um, pride can be mm -hmm. a big issue. Um, past I find too, if there is sin involved, there's also a great degree of shame. Sin thrives in secrecy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that you are Bahamian and, uh, I think that you've observed a bit about the Bahamian church over your years. Mm -hmm. And we were chatting off, uh, microphone about some of the layers of 
shall we say, resistance to mentoring that have to be cut through, mm-hmm. particularly in the Bahamian mindset. Would you share that with our listeners, please? Oh, Pastor, there's, 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 so, there's so many. Um, uh, there is, uh, like I said, there's the shame. Um, there is the uh, sense of helplessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is this fear that what I may share with you is going to somehow end up in the public for mm. uh, in prayer meeting mm. uh, on the prayer list yeah uh, on Facebook or or all these different uh, forms of social media so there is a great fear um, uh, when I when you look at a person's upbringing especially here in the Bahamas you don't share what's wrong mm-hmm. you try to put on a good front uh, stiff upper lip uh, in the old British way, um, you put your best foot forward. Um, you can be suffering, but you ask any Bahamian how they're doing, and what's their first response? All oh, right. So, for there to be meaningful uh, pairings mm-hmm. of um, brothers in Christ with each other and sisters in Christ with each other, there has to be a, a humbleness, there has to be a uh, uh, disclosure, a uh, transparency, and of course, undergirding all of that has to be a strict confidentiality. Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of the work, especially from the mentor's standpoint, he or she first are going to have to be so willing to be transparent, as a matter of fact, to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, so that that person who is struggling with a, a particular issue. Mm-hmm are able to say, wow, Pastor Rob was there? Mm-hmm. I may want to talk to Pastor Rob on the side and find out uh, some more. Maybe his situation is close to mine and maybe he can help me. That's so good. It's yeah. like taking ourselves off of any pedestal that someone's put us on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, I know that you've had the, the pleasure and the, and the benefit of being mentored by a mentor uh, in your past, maybe in your present. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of growth have you seen, Patrick, because uh, of being in such a, a mentoring relationship? Oh, wow. Pastor Rob, I think that's where I've grown the most, under that mentoring relationship. Um, under that mentoring relationship, I was able to look myself in the mirror and, and say, Patrick, you're a man. Prior to that, Pastor Rob, even as an adult, I couldn't look myself in the mirror. Uh, I was too shy, too, too, a lot of shame. Uh, so um, personal growth, um, my mentor has been that person who has challenged me unequivocally in the importance of having God's Word in my life on a regular, consistent basis. And he has called me out on the mat many a times. Mm-hmm. And there have been times I've called him or called them and have expressed an issue, and they can say, they'll say, Patrick, you haven't been studying like you've been supposed to. You would know that. And they say it ever so gently. Yes. Um, and in the same process, they've been very transparent in the process. Patrick, I was there. I've been there. I know what you're going through. You see? That's great. So I would assume that to, for this to work that in any mentoring partnership, that there must be love, there must be uh, unconditional Love and unconditional self-evaluation. Self-evaluation is, a matter of fact, tough love. Tough love. Tough love. Um, that mentor is going to have to be able to say, hey, you're wrong. But also in saying you're wrong, here's how you can make it right. And all the mentors who God has brought into my life, 
All of them have had a strong, firm foundation and a handle of God's Word. Every one of them have been able to, in that process, take me to the Word of God and show me. And the, the cool thing about that, Pastor Rob, is, and I don't know where I heard it from, but while I'm being mentored, I now can turn around and mentor someone else. Mm. You see? That's, that's marvelous. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so glad that, that God has done that in your life. And we want to create a culture at Calvary Bible Church where this is happening in a, in a big scale. But yes. we have to start small. We've got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we just believe that when men and women enter into these kind of mentoring relationships and find benefit, that the grapevine will hear about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, happy yeah. customers, as it were, will yes. bring in new customers. Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, Pastor Rob, God's bless Mona Lisa and I with four children. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to always be around. And it would be intoxicating for me to know that there are men in the congregation at Calvary Bible Church, who my two sons can go to, if needed be, uh, to say, hey, can you give me some help, some spiritual help in this particular area? So what we're talking about, I think, is that church is a lot more than showing up two Sundays a month, sitting in the back row and leaving early. It involves community, it involves uh, openness, it involves uh, mutual love and, and uh, edification, the building up of each other and the things of the Word and, and uh, of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, how could a person, uh, do you think, how could a person who is listening say, okay, I want to get some mentoring? How, how do you think typically they could do that? Oh, pray. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Pray, 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 pray. Um, there are people in your congregation who God has placed there and who have a, a spirit of discernment who if you went up to them and say, hey, would you help me in this particular area? As a matter of fact, I suspect, Pastor, there are many, especially quote unquote, older persons in our congregation yes. who are just waiting for us younger folks to come up and say, hey, can we get together with Coke soda? Right. The, these precious souls that are wondering, do they still have any usefulness in the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think we can say, listeners, that it's Patrick and my prayer for you who are listening and learning about mentoring, that you'll get off the dime. You won't just hear about it, but you'll do something about it. Yeah. Because the, the dividends and the benefits of being in such a pairing, um, only eternity will tell how much God will do in that kind of a setting. Absolutely. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.